Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And today, Olivia's going to tell us about crayfish. Yeah, so today's going to be kind of like a mini episode, I feel like, because I was sick this week and my throat is very weak. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I don't want to like end up coughing in the middle of this episode too much because that's a lot of editing work for Sophia. <laughs> so we're going to avoid that. <laughs> Everyone needs to send healing thoughts to Olivia. Yeah, please. <laughs> and it sucks too because it's field school time for you. So I know. I'm so bummed out. I missed so much of field school this year. The students, I came back today with like a mask on and I feel like the students were just like, who is this? <laughs> Who is oh. this random lady? Uh, I had to like reintroduce myself because I was there the first day full of energy and then I just like vanished for five days. So, oh no, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who comes on the pollinator field school days, they'll get to know me. Amazing. Well, yeah, I'm excited for this little mini crayfish episode. I feel like I don't know a lot about them. I guess I did read where the crawdads sing and I hot take didn't like it I guess I don't know if that's like a hot take anymore because all the stuff I don't know if it is yeah a lot of bad stuff has come out about her yeah I read it and I felt like I enjoyed listening to it like I felt like it was kind of a page turner for me but it's one of those books where I was like I'm reading this and I'm like enjoying the process of reading it but I feel like reflecting upon it I don't get like a good taste in my mouth from it I don't know how else to describe it. Just like, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not a creative writing major like you, Sophia. So I don't have a lot of like intelligent criticisms of it beyond me being like, "Mm, I don't know about the sciencey stuff in there. It was kind of fakey (laughs) sciencey. That's interesting because she has like a PhD. I know. There was something about it that like, I can't even remember why it bothered me. I think it was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say about it. Just the whole thing left a weird taste in my mouth. Yeah, there were things that bothered me too where I was like, this female character feels like she's written by a man, but she's not. Yeah, I guess that's what it was, right? Like the way she interacts with nature didn't feel like authentic. Like I was really surprised to find out that the writer was a a biologist. I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) It was not the vibe I got from that book. Also, they never talk even about I don't understand why why was it called where the crawdads sing because the crawdads don't sing. Oh really? Okay, cuz I was wondering this cuz I've also seen TikToks where people were like, "Wait, crawdads are fish because I thought they or are they even fish or just like arthropods or something?" Cuz cuz people were like, "Wait, I thought crawdads were birds or something like yeah, that." Yeah, that's what I thought they were too. And then I found out that crawdad is another word for like crayfish. Yeah. So I don't get it. I like it's obviously some kind of metaphor do that they I don't sing? understand. No, no. Oh. No, they don't. I just Googled it to be like, maybe did I just totally miss something? Maybe there's like a specific species. Do they make any noise? I, I don't think so. I mean they make they're lobsters, basically. <laughs> like, does a lobster sing? I guess they make like clickety clack. Clickety clack sounds. Yes. <laughs> like, just snaps. <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. So, uh, yeah, if anyone can tell us, like, is there a specific species of crayfish that does, in fact, make a sound? 
I don't. I doubt it. I really strongly doubt it. I can't think of a single crab-like creature that would make a sound. Maybe they like scream when you put them in the boiling pot of water oh, or something. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know a lot about those like marsh, I guess, ecosystems of like the southern US, but yeah. Yeah, neither do I. So I don't know. I'm I'm no expert on that. But as someone who has fished for crayfish before, using a string, a paperclip and a little piece of hot dog, those (laughs) those crayfish didn't make a sound. Um, I did make a sound when they would inevitably bite me. But it's fun to do. If you you want you uh, want to do something weird, go to a pond, try and fish for crayfish. <laughs> Don't eat them though if they're from like a stormwater pond because uh, that's gross water. So don't do it. Well, I guess let's see what Blathers has to say about crayfish, and then we can get well, into it. Well, we've really talked over Blathers today. <laughs> yeah. So if you bring a crawfish to Blathers, he'll say. Oh, so you have found a crawfish. Neither crab nor lobster. Crawfish evolved in an interesting manner. Beware their fearsome, pinchy pinchers. Behold their many legs. I say, it is a bit bug-like. Eh, what? The more I look at it, the more unsettled I feel. Let's be done with this and never speak of it again, shall we? Wow, that was no information. Like, super, like, okay, let's move on. I do not see it. Please just put it in my museum and I never want to see it again. I feel like the Animal Crossing copywriting team kind of gave up with this one. They were yeah, like, they were I'm not going like... to be looking at the uh, any research for this one. Not going to lie, it was really hard to find research on crayfish. So I feel like if I was the Animal Crossing team, I may have just given up because you search up crayfish and it's all like recipes and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to like... You can't like even putting crayfish animal like you don't find a lot of stuff. Um, I had to like kind of dig through the scientific literature to find stuff about them. And even then, like it's good facts are kind of few and far between. So sorry if I missed stuff uh, today. Like I said, it's a shorter episode. But if you know some additional cool crayfish facts, feel free to send them in. But Yeah. Yeah. So as we said before, the crayfish, it has a a lot of names. So some of the names are freshwater lobster, crawfish, crawdad, crawdaddies, rock lobsters, which I love, uh, yabbies, and mud bugs. But there's a lot more names than that, uh, depending on where you are. Wasn't there that episode of, was it the newest season of Queer Eye, where they like help that guy who has a like a restaurant He's like a cage- and- yeah yeah and it's like crawzaddy <laughs> i i really like that one <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah. name oh i gotta go watch queer eye now anyway yeah so that's that's the multitude of names so depending on where you live you might know them as something else but we're gonna call them crayfish because that's what i always knew them as and i read a little bit about the etymology of this uh, this word. And from what I could tell, like, no one's really sure. I mean, etymology is so complicated when it comes to common or English names. But it seems like the word cray has something to do with like a crag in a rock. So or like a crevice, like a crevice in a rock, um, which would make sense because they kind of live in crevices and rocks in the water. And, you know, we just like peg the word fish on anything that lives in the water, apparently. <laughs> so um, it's not a fish. In case that wasn't clear, it looks 
like a mini lobster. Like, I don't know, a lobster that's like a few inches long usually. And unsurprisingly, taxonomically, they're pretty closely related to lobsters. They're not true lobsters. The true lobsters and the crayfish basically each make up one branch of a two-branch family tree. So, I don't know, I guess you could pretty confidently call them, like, cousins. But, yeah, you you wouldn't necessarily call a crayfish a lobster because they, they aren't. But here's where things do get a little bit surprising, and that's that there's nearly 640 species of crayfish globally, which is a lot. That was way more than I was expecting. Yeah. And when it comes to their diversity, I was really surprised because most of the time we expect to see the highest diversity of species in the tropics, right? But for crayfish, what we have instead is that 75% of species live in North and Central America. So I was like, what? No way. So especially in the southern states, there is quite a big diversity of crayfish species. Who would have thought? And then when you get over to Europe, there's only five native species. In Asia, there's only four. And in Australia, there's like a hundred. So Australia also has quite a few crayfish species. But then this is wild. There are no native crayfish in Africa. Wow, that is surprising. Isn't that interesting? I just thought like of all, like, that just seems like such a weird range to me. Yeah, very specific. Now, this doesn't mean that Africa has no crayfish and it doesn't mean that you're only going to find four species of crayfish in Asia, etc. Because crayfish are notoriously invasive. Uh, so there's a lot of like non-native crayfish species in all of these places. So just keep that in mind as well. The biggest crayfish I could find is the giant Tasmanian freshwater crayfish. It's actually the world's largest freshwater invertebrate. And it basically just looks like a big kind of dark colored stream lobster. (laughs) Unfortunately, this species is endangered because of pollution in its habitat. It's got a pretty small range in the first place and they've been over harvested where they live. But uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Like imagine this giant lobster. You're just like dipping your toes in a pretty stream in the forest (laughs) of Tasmania. And then there's just like a giant lobster that pops out bite chateau so i don't know i don't imagine i don't think i'd I'd want that lobsters are pretty creepy it's kind of wild we eat them like when people put turn their nose up at eating bugs i'm sort of like okay yeah but you're gonna eat a lobster that is the weirdest Mm. looking thing in the world i like but maybe if there were giant bugs that were like as big as lobsters and crabs that would be more normal to eat because they would be super fleshy you know Maybe. Maybe it's like the crunchiness of bugs. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know, because, yeah, with lobsters and crabs and I guess even shrimps and stuff, it's like we're not usually very disturbed to see them in their shell and take them out of the shell ourselves and everything, which is interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Man, I could eat a lobster roll right now. I would love I'm, to I'm eat actually a pretty hungry, roll. yeah. I could go for <laughs> some crab. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> So what kind of environments do they live in? Is it similar to lobsters and crabs? Yeah, so crayfish live in freshwater and brackish environments, which is to say that while they are generally found in purely freshwater, 
if you have areas that are a little bit more saline, a little saltier, maybe areas where some rivers spill out into salt water, that sort of in-between zone can have some crayfish that's brackish water. But generally, they like to live in streams, rivers, ponds, and lakes. And most species don't do well in polluted water, although there are some pretty tough species. Like I said, there's 600 species, so there's a bit of variation in their habitats there. Many, many crayfish will actually dig burrows to live inside either for most of their lives or to sort of duck into every once in a while. And depending on the species, these tunnels can be quite complex and they can also be topped by these cute little mud chimneys. So if you, you see little mud chimneys in or around water, you know, that might belong to a crayfish. The other thing too about crayfish and how they live is that they're usually nocturnal. So you're most likely to see them active in low light settings. You may even see them crawling on land as they look for new water bodies. It does sound very insect-like, like with the burrows and everything. Yeah, the more I read about them, I was like, oh, wow, the the lines are really blurred here, I feel like, mm-hmm. in some ways. And so what are their young like? I guess that's kind of a thing with arthropods is, I don't know, interesting life cycles. Yeah, and these ones had a more interesting life cycle than I was expecting. So when crayfish lay their eggs, they attach the eggs to the mother and with like kind of like a gluey, stringy thing. And those eggs look kind of like a little blackberry cluster. And at this time, the mother is referred to as being, quote, in berry, which I think is so cute because like, <laughs> it's like pregnant, but you're in berry and you have these <laughs> little berries stuck to you. I just thought that was the cutest thing ever. So That's really cute. Yeah. And then when the little crayfish hatch... They kind of look like mini crayfish and they remain attached to their mother for a number of weeks while they grow. They're safely protected and they're attached to their mother with something called a telson thread. So it's just like a little string. And then they'll go through like one or two molts. So they'll they'll molt their old skin. They'll get a little bit bigger. And then once they're big enough, they'll finally crawl off their mother and live their own lives. But yeah, these these molts are very similar to what you see like spiders and some other bugs do. They'll just sort of, their skin gets a little like foggy and then they like push. They'll sort of flick themselves out of their skin. <laughs> and so what do they eat? I know, I know you said that you have fished for them with hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, just like uncooked hot dogs, but uh, they're omnivores, so they'll eat all sorts of things, including detritus. So just sort of like pieces of organic garbage in the water. <laughs> That's my description of detritus. <laughs> they'll also eat algae, water plants, invertebrates, so like all kinds of water bugs, other crayfish, and even fish. Because their claws are really strong. If you look at a crayfish claw, like basically imagine just like that whole chunky bit is just like filled with muscle and they can really snap it shut. And so, yeah, I mean, if a little a little fish gets caught in there, that fish is done for. I've been pinched by them and they are really hard to get off because, yeah, there's like no forcing that little pincer open. Wow. So don't don't be silly. Or, or do be silly and just know that you're going to get pinched. But like, if you are holding a crayfish, you want to make sure you're not going to get snapped or get your fingers pinched in between their little pieces of armor. 
it's not a good time. Although, well, it is if you're watching someone else do it, then it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they, a couple of their hunting adaptations are that they are really good at detecting chemicals in the water. They have sort of like this very strong sense of smell slash taste. Because that's their main way of detecting what's around them in the water. They don't have amazing vision often or Sorry, I shouldn't say that. I actually haven't checked that. But where they're living, it's hard to see because it's very, usually very muddy in the water, often very dark. So they're really depending on their chemosensory receptors and their ability to detect little vibrations in the water as there's all sorts of creatures moving around them to eat or to avoid uh, so that they themselves do not get eaten. That's so cool. Yeah. Very interesting adaptations. And so could you talk a bit more about how they are invasive, I guess? Like how how big of an issue, I guess, is that? Yeah. So from what I could read, I mean, it seems like the reason people are so concerned about crayfish is that they can significantly alter food webs. They are omnivorous, so they'll eat a whole bunch of stuff. And they can really compete with other crayfish and even fish for particular foods and habitats. Here in Alberta, I was reading some news articles from quite recently, actually. Uh, Let me check when this news article was from. Yeah, it was from like a few, like two days ago. I guess on August 6th, Banff National Park was pretty disappointed to see that the northern crayfish has managed to finally spread to the park. It's been spreading throughout Alberta for a long time, although it's native to to some parts of the province. And they think that it probably got there because people have been using them as fishing bait and they sort of get loose. It's not allowed, but people will still do it. Darn people. It's very annoying. (laughs) And it's a real problem because in these water bodies... There's a lot of threatened fish like bull trout and west slope cutthroat trout. So they really don't want any alteration of the the, the food web in those areas. So, um, yeah, that's their that's their main concern. I mean, parks are all about preserving some kind of original state. So any sort of disruption of that is is quite upsetting to them. Of course, we could probably deba- debate what original state means, but um, <laughs> that's for yeah. uh, another podcast, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- I mean, depending on the species of crayfish, a non-native crayfish can pose pretty significant competition to even a native crayfish species. They'll eat each other. They'll still steal each other's habitat. They'll fight sometimes to the death. Um, and a- another big concern is that they can spread disease to one another. I kept reading about this thing called it's called the crayfish plague, which is apparently oh. caused by some kind of, they called it a fungus, but then they immediately said it was like not a true fungus. It's sort of like a waterborne bacteria or something that can infect crayfish and has been a bit of a problem. So that I just, that word crayfish plague was very, uh, <laughs> very unexpected to be finding um, yeah. on this topic. Believe it or not, it's actually estimated that half of the world's crayfish species are vulnerable to extinction. This is partially because of a loss of habitat, over-harvesting, and competition with non-native crayfish that has reduced the population of many crayfish species. Another problem in sort of this day and age is the development of dams and other blockages to water bodies through human development. By blocking these different watersheds, it makes it so that all of these crayfish populations are isolated 
And that can create lower genetic diversity because, you know, these populations aren't able to interbreed. It also makes it harder for crayfish from, say, like one side of the dam or another to come to the rescue of another population that might be dwindling. So let's say on one side of the dam, maybe a whole bunch of people came in and fished out all the crayfish. And if there was a really small population on that side of the dam now, it's less likely that they're going to have like sort of like a rescue population of crayfish come in and kind of breed again with that population and and bring that those numbers back up. So that's part of the problem with fragmenting populations. Uh, and that's something that we're seeing with the crayfish is, yeah, dams being a really big issue. One endangered crayfish includes the Alabama's slender claw crayfish, <laughs> uh, which recently got endangered species protection in 2021. I love that. It's like slender man crayfish. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a funny name. I feel like you could probably go through all the like crayfish names and find some really good ones. The Slender Claw Crawzaddy. Crawdaddy. <laughs> yeah. Crawzaddy. Crawzaddy. Anyway, so I was reading about this crayfish, and according to the Center of Biological Diversity, they said, quote, most of the crayfish's habitat was flooded when the Tennessee River was dammed to create a 69,000-acre Lake Guntersville in 1939. The slender claw faces ongoing threats from silt and sediment, which fill in the spaces between rocks the crayfish use for sheltering and harm its food sources because mayflies, caddisflies, and stoneflies also need clean water. The slender claw is also threatened by competition from the invasive virile crayfish and by water pollution from poultry farms and other sources. Just working together to keep silt out of streams could save hundreds of species from extinction if agencies would prioritize stopping it. When mud runs off into streams, it ruins habitat for animals that live on the creek bottoms and ruins clean water that everyone needs for drinking, fishing, and swimming. There are thousands of sources of silt into streams, but that also means there are thousands of solutions to keep it out. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting little quote talking about some of the issues they face. And I don't know, it feels very much like the kind of management stuff we talk about in my classes. Like, Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's two important things that we haven't talked about a lot on the show, like damming and also, yeah, the like silt and, and everything and how it affects, I'm sure not just crayfish, but a lot of species and stuff yeah it's interesting and like yeah you don't talk yeah we really don't talk about damming a lot but it is a big problem one another thing this is gonna sound so silly and I'm sorry if this is gonna sound so boring to you guys but like back when I did field school four or five years ago we went up to like northern Alberta and I remember we spent like an entire day talking about culverts where we basically like culverts are just like those they kind of look like tubes under roads um, and they allow streams to like flow beneath the road. And the way that these culverts are constructed can actually be really important because it can like super duper block fish and other things from moving through if it's done incorrectly. And I remember we talked about it for so long because they were really stressed that like we're all going to like grow up into people who build culverts incorrectly. <laughs> Because it actually is such a problem in Alberta. Like, if you don't build them right, you're, like, blocking huge populations of fish from migrating. And, like, it's just kind of a mess. So if the culvert is, like, too, like, high up off the ground and the, like, water level drops, then, like, no water is going through. And if it's too deep, 
some mm-hmm. things don't like that and if it's too big or too anyway sorry if that's boring but <laughs> we talk no, about yeah. it a lot in my program it's like the reality of environmental science you talk a lot about culverts and weird things like that yeah no it's important and you might think like what's the point of keeping something like a crayfish around like does it really matter it's really quite insignificant but it is important I mean beyond the sort of like intrinsic value of biodiversity they're also just very important as like a food source for like they're very protein filled and they're good food for things like herons and otters raccoons fish and even humans like they're very economically important but they also clean up our waterways by eating all that detritus and their tunnels can actually become homes for more than 400 other animal species within the water so they do have quite a lot of ecological value as well and so some you know, some little environmental advice for you folks out there. Um, Never let things loose into the water. So if you have any kind of animal in your home, you no longer want, whether it's a fish or a crayfish or a hermit crab or something, even if it's something that, you know, could survive in the wild like a crayfish, just never let it loose ever, ever, ever. Give it to a friend, give it to a vet, give it to a humane society, or I'm sorry, but like if you have to, like, please humanely kill it. Um, it's better than letting it loose because even if you just like released one crayfish out there, it might not be enough to make babies, but all it takes is like one other person to release their crayfish and suddenly you might have a problem. And also never use crayfish as bait for fishing. It's not allowed in a lot of places, but people will still do it. But yeah, always, always avoid that. If you see other people doing it, tell them off. And always, if you have boats, always check your boats too. Just make sure there's nothing stuck on it. Look up your local regulations for cleaning your boats. Be a responsible boat owner because, yeah, just really don't want to be spreading invasive species to all of our beautiful water bodies. They're very important and we have to keep them clean. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we've been giving that advice a lot lately, but I hope it's getting hammered home in people's heads. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that, Olivia. It actually ended up not really being a mini episode. Yeah, I guess so. We had a lot of banter. Yeah. It's a casual, casual chats. Yeah, yeah. We, we. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and thanks for being patient with us. We had, yeah, just a really busy week last week and then now Olivia's sick, but we have lots of exciting stuff planned coming up. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. And thanks everyone so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Blathers and follow us on TikTok at Beyond underscore Blathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!